WGN. We are about 22 hours away. No, less than that. Let's see, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 hours away from the polls opening. Math has never been my strong suit, I have to say, Dr. Mixon. Uh, Professor Connie Mixon from Elmhurst College is here with us to talk a little bit about the election tomorrow. And uh, I know last time we talked, we wanted to talk about politics and the aldermanic races. And we ended up talking about beer. Beer. Because you're the beer professor I now. I am the beer professor. Yeah. Well, give a quick little um, a little 411 on that for those just catching this. So it's sort of a side area of research that I started with a student of mine. And just my interest in Chicago, we started looking back into the history. And as it turns out, nearly every elected official in our history had some connection or another to beer. And then we find found out all this really interesting stuff about how after the Chicago fire, the brewers all moved to Milwaukee. Had they not gone to Milwaukee, we might have been the beer capital of the world. Right. And now we're the microbrew capital. Precisely. We have more microbreweries um, than any other city in the United States. And so it's just a cool little fun side research thing to do. And you get to taste beer along the way. So That's right. And didn't you tell me last time that Chicago was the first place where usually uh, if candidates, one loses, the other takes the other out for a beer. President right. Obama did uh, the beer summit the as beer well. The beer summit. Yeah. Politicians just sort of, you know, get over the elections, pat each other on the back over a beer. Yeah, over a beer, yeah. Right, or, at the Billy Goat. Or two or th- yeah, exactly, right. or two or three. Right. So we have uh, quite a crowded field tomorrow oh, uh, in Chicago. 14 candidates. We've never seen anything like this. I think the dynamics are so unbelievable. When pre-Rom, before Rom said he is not going to run, I would have put Vallis and McCarthy. Yep. As the front runners, then that kind of shifted to Vallis Preckwinkle. Then it became kind of then Rom made his announcement, or rather after Rom made his announcement, I thought Vallis Preckwinkle. Then Preckwinkle Mendoza. Now the latest change research poll has Lori Lightfoot popping into the yeah. top three. And again, these numbers are very. It's a poll, right? So it's I, a I snapshot in time. It is. It is. So I, I we shouldn't put so much. No, but this, this is sort of big news, and this is a respectable two seventy strategies, but. Going back to what you said earlier, yeah. you know, if you'd asked me in November or if, well, when was it that Rom said September that he said he wasn't running again. So if you'd asked me in August or so, I, I really thought that McCarthy and Lightwood in particular had an angle. They were different angles, but they were angles at which they could go after Rahm Emanuel. Now, keep in mind, Vallis, Lightfoot and McCarthy got into this race thinking they were running against Rahm Emanuel. Their campaign was entirely built around attacking the incumbent. Right. Now, all of a sudden, they're in the race with 14 total candidates. Like, this is not the race they intended to run by any means. And probably that's the most noteworthy for Lightfoot's surge. Um, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, right, right. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think about it. Sort of as you as you described, in December, I wouldn't have given Lightfoot much of a chance. And I certainly wasn't giving Daly much of a chance. Me I neither, really thought it was a Preckwinkle, Mendoza runoff, thought two women, two women of color, you know, that's going to be our next mayor. Right. And then the Burke stuff... How about that? Fan. When we've had you on to talk about the Burke indictments and the, the, the raids, that was one of the first times we had you on to talk about both raids. And then they, then he was, then his offices were raided again. And then the indictments came. And you're right. Just a, a, a path or a, a 
splurge to get away from Ed Burke, specifically Susanna Mendoza right. and Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah, they both were the hardest hit. Almost any politician in Chicago has had some association with Burke just to get where they are. But Preckwinkle and Mendoza were the hardest hit. And Preckwinkle, I'm not entirely convinced that she had such a close relationship with Burke. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Like any politician, she took his campaign donation. She was head of the Cook County Democratic Party. I think there was a relationship there, but probably not as close as many have said that Susanna Mendoza oh, right. had with Ed Burke. Well, she got married in his house, so I Certainly. mean, they had they had they had more of a relationship, more, perhaps more of a friendship, right? And, and Susanna's days go back to you know, running for state rep and Alderman Burke helping with that election and helping with elections afterwards. So there's there's more of a connection there. And then you can't forget the interesting connection with Alderman Solis wearing the wire to get Burke and Susanna Mendoza's relationship with Alderman Solis as well. Which, they was, go way back. which was what? Well, they went back... Oh, um, I can pull up some of the details of it, but the, the quick and short of it yeah. is that they have had a political relationship for years, and Susanna Mendoza has received campaign contributions from Alderman Solis. Probably the, the most questionable thing is Alderman Solis' sister earn, um, owns a, or is part owner, has an interest in a firm that essentially loans money to the state of Illinois. It's sort of like a payday cash kind of company for states when they can't pay their bills right they pay the bills for them and then the state gets charged enormous amounts of interest well Susanna Mendoza as comptroller decides when and how soon those folks get paid back but then the same firm that was doing that business with the comptroller's office turned around and gave a huge campaign contribution to Susanna Mendoza now, none of, none of this is really illegal. Illinois has really weak a, campaign. Right. It just doesn't look Fine, great. Right. It doesn't look very well. Um, the sister was supposed to hold a fundraiser for Susanna in D.C. that after the Burke stuff came out, that was canceled pretty quick. Um, so I think Susanna probably suffered the most. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Burke content, with the Burke connection. Right. And, and Susanna has been an, an aggressive, uh, you know, she was the youngest female, um, young, youngest member total elected to the Illinois General Assembly um, and has really has great political aspirations mm-hmm. and has mm-hmm. been a fierce campaigner. But I just think this time that she may have been hurt just a little too much by by, by the Burke scandal, but who knows? I mean, honestly, the only thing that's going to surprise me tomorrow is if, for example, John Kozlar ends up in the runoff. Right, right. And, you know, I want to talk about some of the, some of these um, the people in the middle. I'm calling them middlemen yeah, right? because that's what they are. Yeah, I, I call them second tier yeah, candidates. The middlemen, yeah. Gary Chico. And, and again, throughout this whole race, I've seen, you know, and we've interviewed all these candidates and they're mm-hmm. all formidable, very impressive intelligent candidates Mm -hmm. you go with gary chico who has a plan and people like him and he's got a a a reputation a good reputation in this city paul valla same thing intelligent former head of schools i mean he he did good 
for for lack of a better term. Right. And Willie Wilson handing out money <laughs> at the black churches, you know, one hundred dollar bills again. So yeah. you, you said so the Chico all within you've got all yeah. five or six. So right. and Jerry Joyce, too. I can't leave Jerry Joyce right. out with it, the South Side vote. Well, I, I live in the 19th Ward. And let me tell you, we are covered wall to wall in Joyce lawn signs. Right. Um, I'm not sure that I'm putting him yet in that sort of top tier, but okay. he certainly improved significantly from where I thought he was going to be. Right. A very formidable candidate. Right. So you've got Daly, Preckwinkle. And then you've got Lightfoot, and then your previous guest was just talking about the new poll out from 270 Strategies that have them all at 14%. Right. And then you have Gary Chico, Susanna Mendoza, like right behind, and you've just got to wonder, and Willie Wilson is in that mix? Willie Wilson, Jerry Joyce, Paul Vallis, all in that little mix. Right, right, right. Paul Vallis is a little bit less, right? right? He's at six, yeah. Right, he's at six, if I'm remembering correctly. Um it could go any way between these five or six candidates. And I think conventional wisdom was a daily preckwinkle runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, daily really picked up in the polls, certainly since December. He did. Um, preckwinkle certainly has the ground game. She's got the union support. Daily has money. Um, preckwinkle has foot soldiers that will be out tomorrow making sure people get to the polls. I'm also impressed by Chico's organization. He's run a really professional campaign. I agree, yes. I think that he is going to have folks out tomorrow, and he has been all over the city today, which is, you know, amazing that I'm not seeing other candidates do. But every time I was looking at my Twitter feed today, like, he's on the south side, he's on the west side. Right, he was was voting, yeah. Right, like, how? you get to all these places I so know. quick like yeah. is he he just got a private helicopter that's zapping him to these places and then there was a twitter feed and no he's riding the l right <laughs> yeah, he's all over right. and i want to ask you too about amira enya oh. or amara enya rather and she's yeah. at four i mean she's i wouldn't put her in that second tier nope. i would maybe put her in that third quadrant if you will or that yep. third tier but i it I, what i found interesting connie is that when in one of the polls, I believe it was the one that we hosted that Anna Devlantis moderated, and she asked all the candidates, if you couldn't vote for yourself, mm-hmm. who would you vote for? And I think four, maybe five said Amara Enya. Right. I think she's kind of this young, up-and-coming, shining star in Chicago. I don't think I don't think she's going to make the runoff, however she absolutely does. Not. you know, Absolutely not. Um, yeah. But I think you're, you're right that... She's a shining star, but she was really, really damaged um, by the reports that came out about her financial trouble, her failure to pay taxes, questions about her employment at University Park. I mean, there there were all kinds of questionable things about her past finances. Um, I don't think she made a really effective argument to... She might have to some, but to most, you know, mainstream voters, the fact that, well, we've had people with really good finances. Let's give somebody with bad finances a shot. Like, that wasn't particularly compelling to me. Right. Um, She had Chance and Kanye, though. Right, right, right. It, well, that young now, now Chance the Rapper was supposed to show up two weeks ago oh, for her right. party to the polls, those buses, and yep. he did not. He was a no-show, mm-hmm. and he did not show at a rally at Daly Plaza, and she only had 40 people. Right. And that was right after that news broke. And so I really think she was damaged by that. Mm-hmm. But I will say, and I said this from the very beginning, she should be running for alderman or something else and not just going straight for, for the, mayor. Mayor, the mayor's position. Um, so I don't think we've seen the last of her. She has some. She has a message and policies that resonated 
with many people. And people talk about how she resonated with millennials, but I think it was beyond that. I think she resonated with a lot of people. I think so too. And women a lot of age particular. groups. Yeah. But I, I think what happened is folks just said, yeah, I'm not so sure about this news. I'm not sure that she can win. And they broke and they went with Lightfoot. Right. So I, that may be yeah. part of what we're seeing with Lightfoot's surge. Although I think with Lightfoot, significantly, the Sun-Times endorsed her. Right. And right after that endorsement, she got an influx of cash. And if you've seen, she was able to get commercials out. You can tell these commercials were hastily done. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. But they were done. They were put out awfully quick. She got money that she didn't think she was going to get. And look at it paying off. She is neck and neck with Preckwinkle and Daly. And this thing could go, you could slice this like a zillion different ways. We could play out a zillion different scenarios of, you know, which candidate ends up where. But I think what does happen is that we get, we get, winners that don't go over 20 percent wouldn't it be in uh, just unimaginable but i think you're right well, i think that's i think that's going to happen right and i think what we also have to remember is that unfortunately the way our election works is that there are going to be a lot of wasted votes tomorrow that's unfortunate that that's really unfortunate so for example the odds are Amara's not going to make it to the runoff. The odds are, for example, that John Kozlar is not going to make it to the runoff. And by voting for one of those candidates, you may well be giving your vote to maybe your least preferred candidate. And so oftentimes voters, it's often like voting for a third party. Like Mm -hmm. we don't have to like the system, but that is the system. Right. And so you have to understand that when you're voting for a third party candidate or when you're voting for one of these lesser candidates, that in essence, you could be giving your vote to your least preferred candidate. And this makes the case for Chicago to move to ranked choice voting. Minneapolis has it. St. Paul has it. San Francisco has it. Oakland has it. There's a bunch of other mid, mid-sized cities all across the United States. Explain what that is. Have ranked choice. So you would go to the poll tomorrow, and if Paul Vallis is your guy, you put number one for Paul Vallis. And if Chico's your second, you put Chico, and then maybe it's Lightfoot three, right? Mm-hmm. So they add up all the votes, and if Paul, Va- Paul Vallis is too low in the polls, they then move and they count your second vote. Very and keep going so there's not a wasted vote. Some people have called it an instant runoff. It actually saves municipalities. I mean, I could get into the whole public, public budgeting of this, yeah, but it, would, it saves it, municipalities sure, the, sure. the cost of doing a second election. And people become more invested because they feel as if their vote actually counts. Like, I really like Vallis, so I can actually vote for Vallis, or I can actually vote for John Kozlar. Right. It's and like ranking those a team. candidates actually then have a better chance. Right. It's like ranking a team, say, Precisely. if you're doing a, a pool or, you know, a, a, some sort of a sports betting. Precisely. Yeah. When we have th- this many candidates, there are going to be wasted votes tomorrow. Boy. And I'm- then also that, that impacts turnout. People just say, there's too many. I can't keep up. I am just going to wait for the runoff. And then you're like, oh, I don't like any of the candidates in the runoff. So then they don't vote at all. See, and it's just this whole spiral. I want to talk to you about uh, early voting and uh, why people perhaps do or do not show up to vote in any election. We're talking to Dr. Connie Mixon from Elmhurst College, professor of urban studies. We'll be back after this on 720 WGN. 824 720 WGN. We're talking to Dr. Connie Mixon from Elmhurst College and your students. Uh, their assignment was to listen to you tonight on the radio. It was. My urban politics class should be listening. Do you have to say a word that they'll uh, that they'll say? Oh, that like would have code? been a really smart thing to make them do. 
I didn't think of that. Mm, okay, all right. We'll have to. We'll think of something before you go. That just to make sure that they are listening. I'm sure they are. They're <laughs> I'm listening sure with they are. This is a fun assignment. It, it is, is a fun assignment. And so, students in my two classes this semester, I have an honor section of a cities course, and today they presented their candidates for mayor. Um, so that was earlier today. And then my night class, Urban Politics, they're not presenting this until next week anyway, but they're presenting on some of the more contested aldermanic races. And so they're giving an overview of what happened. And what's cool with the Urban Politics class that's listening tonight uh-huh. is they will have the benefit of knowing the results. And so when they present, they'll be able to say, well, in the 47th Ward, we have a runoff or Matt O'Shea won in the 19th or what, whatever happens. That, that'll be a nice to look at because there's so many of them. But then doing it today with the mayor's election, they were able to share with other students like, hey, these are the candidates running for mayor. Right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like how you set that up. I'm going to have to observe one of your classes. What do you think, which I know there's so many aldermanic races that are up. Let's, let's talk about the, the Burke race. Will he win, do you think? I think he's got a good shot. I, do I really do. I would not be surprised if he wins this thing outright. He's got two candidates running against him, which, you know, political scientists know that that splits the vote and then you know, the incumbent ends up winning. Um, Can I, anything, ha- if he wins, now he's indicted, um, if his trial continues or if his trial goes on and he is, in fact, convicted... Does he yeah, I don't, that, that got pushed back. I would have to look. I can't remember what it was, but that got pushed back like 90 days or something like that. So I think it would even be past the past that. Okay. Right. Past okay. the April 2nd runoff. So okay. well, what I can say, though, is even if he does win outright tomorrow is that City Hall is an entirely different place. He is not the powerful chair of the finance committee anymore. Right. He doesn't wield the same amount of influence and power that he did for 50 years. So it's a different at Burke that now is sitting as Alderman of the 14th Ward if he does win. Now, there are two really impressive candidates running against him. And if they push him into a runoff, and this I will say, if he gets pushed into a runoff, I think there's less of a chance of him winning. Okay, I, I, so if it, I if it comes down too. to two, I say with three, I think he could win. If he if it if he, if he is head on with somebody else, I think he stands a better chance of losing. What other races do you think will be tight, or we will not see the incumbent uh, as the? Uh, and you know everything's oh, gosh. everything's going to change as well too, because you know if Bill Daly is elected, I know we're probably going to have a runoff, but he wants to change the makeup from fifty to what fifteen aldermen. Well, all right. So That's now here's my deal with that. Big, big is that drop. I don't get reducing the number of aldermen how that improves democracy right yeah, i guess maybe i guess <laughs> in, in maybe. terms of citizen ruling and sure. all the rest i think then it just becomes the powerful elite um i think then we get a much wider city council it's not as diverse in terms of ethnicity and culture and race and income as what we have now for sure right. and you know his argument is well if we reduce the size of the city council that'll cure, cure corruption Like, that sounds nice, right? But there's lots of measures that we can put in place to help with corruption issues in Chicago without reducing citizen voices. Right. Right. Like, I'm all for getting rid of aldermanic privilege. 
Like, we should get rid of that. Our aldermen should not have second jobs. Like, those are first steps. Well, you, no, it, that's low-hanging fruit. To, completely agree. And and especially jobs that conflict with your ability to serve yes. on the city council, right. like business going to your law firm. Right. I mean, I this mean, is if just you're a school sense. teacher, maybe you're something. But, I mean, the fact sure, that you're volunteer a tax fi- attorney. Right, right. Volunteer right. firefighter. Or right. Sure. Something like that might make a little bit of sense. But, you know, that these aldermen make a decent salary more than most of us are making. And yet they still have second jobs. So... Well, get out and vote tomorrow. What what reason would you see for there being low voter, low voter, voter turnout? Boy, so in last election, 2015, voter turnout was around 33%. In the last election without an incumbent in 2011, voter turnout was around 43%. Some of my colleagues are really optimistic and they think we may hit 50%. I, I'm not entirely sure. I think we'll be somewhere between 40 and 50 percent. If we you went think over that high, I think we I mean, yeah, I, th- I think we'll be between 40 and 50 percent. I would be ecstatic if we saw over 50 percent. Um, oh, a I lot of it. Too. There's still a lot early voting um, and mail in um, ballots are up from where they have been before. What we probably do know is that we may not know the result tomorrow night. That it is true. that yes. close. And so that then kicks into this weird set of circumstances where if it is within like 5%, then candidates can um, ask for a representative sample of wards to be counted. And if that's close enough, then they have to go all the way to the Supreme Court and ask for a full recount. I mean, it is that I mean, that polling. Yeah, it's like we very could close. have candidates within 100 votes. Yeah, of each other. I, I agree. I don't think we're going to see a finality tomorrow night. Right. And thinking about one one important message that I think we should think about, though, is this election is also mirroring national elections in which we have more women and more minorities. Yes. Running for the top spot. And there are something like 60 women running for aldermen. Right now, there's only like 13 or 14 aldermen that are women. I think that's great. And there's 60 running. So we are making progress. We are. We are. Thank you so much for coming down and coming in. And we're going to be talking to you again very soon, hopefully within the next week or two. Well, probably talk to you tomorrow night. Yeah, keep your eye. Just one more quick thing. Keep your eye on the treasurer's race. Oh, yeah, right. It's never competitive, and it's competitive this year. Three candidates. Three Mm -hmm. candidates, and this one could be in a runoff, too. Yeah, we'll keep keep our eyes out. Where can we follow you on Twitter, social media? At Connie Mixon. Thank you so much. Did you vote? No, you can't vote. I'm, vo- I, I'm voting tomorrow morning. <laughs> In the, it's the ritual. It is the ritual of it. I go on voting day. There you go. Thank you so much, Dr. Mixon. We'll be back after this on 720 WGN.